user error. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back, CSG Podcast. Ross, hipsters, glasses, Martin has gone to Dwayne Wade's house, wherever he lives, to figure out why he didn't sign with the Nuggets, make his way all the way down here from Thornton, the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? It is a very, it is nothing lasts forever, Nate, in the cold November rain. That is true. It's a dark and dreary day, but we're here to talk about the sunshiny Denver Nuggets, and we've brought in our special guest, Andrew Feinstein, of DenverStiffs.com and of Denver. Of Denver, yes. Andy of Denver. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. I know it's been a while. It's good to talk to you both. Uh, we, now, this is audio evidence that he's not, he's not dead. There were rumors <laughs> circulating that Jake Feinstein might have eliminated you. Yes. You are back. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot going on uh, to start the season. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to uh, get my columns going, but they will uh, reemerge one of these days. And uh, in the meantime, we'll talk Nuggets today and go from there. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, and we are at uh, Jake's Sports and Spirits, by the way, and um, I, I have to mention, every time I, I do, we go and do a, bo- a podcast, the barbecue here is amazing. I'm not going to have it today, but sure. the bar- barbecue is amazing. I don't know. Barbecue nice and hot. I'll probably get the barbecue today. The you're grizzly sandwich. You're going to get the grizzly again? I might. I might. Okay. It is delicious. <laughs> but yeah, we're down here at Jake Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. They have, you guys have NBA League Pass? We have NBA League Pass. We have uh, the hockey package. Every package you can imagine. College football. Sunday so, ticket. Sunday ticket. Any game you want to watch, any team, we've got you covered on our 20-something TVs here. So Would you, you guys even play the first-placed Oakland Raiders games? Uh, if that's what the customers want, <laughs> we'll give it to them. Right next and, to, we're uh, sitting right next to a, a very nice Broncos mural where they're playing yeah. the Raiders, I believe. But don't uh, sleep on the Raiders, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. uh, even the, the Suns, yeah, whatever. They, uh, I did see the other day as well, my, my friend actually took a, a picture outside with a Von Miller painting outside. It gets, the, we get a lot of looky-loos over here who like that picture. So, yeah, it's a very popular mural. Love it. When's yeah. the Nuggets one going up? Uh, <laughs> who, would it, who would it actually be of if you had a Nuggets one? Isn't well, that the age-old question? That's a good question, man. Isn't that, Jamal isn't Murray? Yeah. Jamal Murray. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I'm always biased at the old school days. Yeah, I'd me want, too. Yeah, I'd want to see Alex English, Fat Lever, Fonz, something like that. But, yeah, me too. Uh, David Thompson, maybe. We do have a great David Thompson print in here yeah, as soon as you sure, walked in. And uh, we have a replica of an old Denver Rockets game ticket when you walk in. But um, So there's plenty of homage to the Nuggets in here. Love it. Love it. Dude, a, a Mount Rushmore of Nuggets heads would be amazing outside somewhere. But who would be on it? That's what, for you to decide. Well, I, I tell The you, old stiff himself. Alex English. Um, Fat Weaver. No, yeah, maybe. David Thompson David and Alex Thompson, English are slam dunks. Those are only two slam dunks. And I think Dan Issel's got to be there. Dan Issel's out to be there, too. And then you're fourth. You're looking at – I mean, the fa- here's the thing. with we, we, we should have talked about this when it was more of a relevant topic, but I have no problem with the Nuggets retiring to Kimmy Matumbo, and mm-hmm. I should have written about this. He played five years for us. Fat Lever played six. Six. And yeah. they gave him a painting last year. And Fat Lever should be up there. I mean, Fat Lever was inarguably the greatest point guard in ever to play for the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, now – if six years isn't enough longevity, then Matumbo shouldn't be up there either. This I mean, I'm an old school guy. Typically, you think of retired jerseys, you're thinking nine years, ten years, unless something weird happens like Terrell Davis, who played four of the greatest running back seasons in NFL history yeah. and had a nasty injury and he just couldn't play anymore. But in the case of Lever and Matumbo, I either would have done both 
or neither. Yeah. And I think it's awkward not having Lever up there. Because when you look to it, Lever's triple-double stats, he's first place for the Nuggets, and Matumbo is second place, but it's a distant, distant second place. I think Lever, I don't even know what it is, but he's got... And, and Lever played for meaningful teams that won lots of games and went deep in the playoffs. Yes, Matumbo was part of that incredible upset. Now, again, I, I'm not... I know Dikemi Matumbo personally. I'm happy for him. I think it's great. And uh, I thought it was ridiculous that the Hawks retired his jersey. I think, you know, if anyone was going to retire, it should have been the Nuggets. He just didn't have the longevity in any one spot yeah. that is typically associated with a jersey retirement. But if you're going to do Matumbo, that's fine. He represents that great team, that 93-94 team that Jeff dreams about before he goes to bed every night. <laughs> <I do>. But <laughs> But if you're going to do Matumbo, you've got to do Fat Lever. And I thought it was a real discredit, that painting last year. I thought it was ridiculous. Well, it, it, it doesn't sound like you're arguing that they should be doing less. Maybe that they should do more jersey retirement. But I'll tell you this. You're opening a can of worms because now you've done Matumbo for his five years of service. Well, that means you probably should do Lever with six. How do you not do Carmelo was with say, eight and a half I was going to say, talk about awkward. And, when that comes up, that'll be you know, awkward. Again, wasn't a great citizen here, but we won a lot of games. We went to a conference finals. He definitely made years. the Nuggets. I think it was eight and a half. Or was it seven and a half? Seven and a half, yeah. He made the Nuggets relevant. So if you're going to retire Matumbo and you're going to retire Lever, you've got to do uh, Carmelo. And then there's that next step over. Do you do Chauncey Billups, who Chauncey. certainly doesn't win the longevity argument, but certainly wins on the local hero argument and the commitment to the community argument and the representation of the franchise argument. I'm just saying Jersey retirements. There was a reason why there were four up there forever. Yeah. And uh, the only, I, I hate to say this, but I, I do question would the Nuggets have even have done Matumbo had the Hawks not done it. Yes. They I were, think, what it, was, you, it was coming no matter what you think. Uh, I think so. I think I, I heard the rumors about this last year. Good. Before and I heard anything before, about the Hawks. Before anything about the Good. Hawks. And the Nuggets, as you know, as their their mo, were just com- terminally slow on the right. on the uptake here. They were going to get in before the Hawks, and then they just didn't do it. So, you did know, you guys, this was coming. Did you guys happen to try that? Uh, remember Carmelo Anthony's Caramello bar? Did you guys try that when it was out? Do you I remember, remember that? that? I did. Yeah, it I did. was horrible. I did try it. It was not right. good. But I do remember writing about this when Carmelo <laughs> left. I said, "Will we retire his?" I did a whole thing on Matumbo that, versus Lever versus. Yeah. Carmelo and whose jerseys get retired, but not that big of a deal. They're, they're just laundry in the rafters, and, 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 and we don't need to fuss over that for the entire podcast. But yeah, I, I do think Fat Lever should be up there if Montembo's up there. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I'd see him. That's awkward. I mean, who else was here for six years? Antonio McDyess was here for six years. You know, yeah, I mean, but it was. He didn't have that. I mean, it's not about your years. It's about it's, yeah. it's a jersey retirement. It's a, it's, a, it's a much lesser made case than Hall of Fame. And it's a combination of you know, uh, uh, personal accolades like blocks records, steals records, assists records, points, whatever, all-star games appeared in, awards won, and games won while you were here. And if based on that matrix, Matumbo's five years were substantial, not spectacular, but substantial, and same with Fat Leavers. They're both cusp jersey retirement guys. How many all-star games did Fat go to while he was here? Fat only went to two. Two. That's uh, how many Matumbo go to? I think he only went to two as well as a Nugget. Maybe he did go to Man, three. Man, that's it's, it's like a, it's six and one half dozen yeah. the other. I mean, I'd basically associate in them in the same way. So yeah. it'll, it's it's interesting. I think they should retire Fat Fat Jersey. I thought they should have retired it two years ago when they had the Fat Lever right. that year. But you know, that's the the uh, maybe he's not the got the name quote unquote. That is the cachet that is associated. It's got with the, the greatest NFL. name in NBA history. Well, Fat Lever, Fat obviously. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, the, and, and the triple doubles in nineteen eighty six. Hey, was, he was Jason Kidd before yeah. there was Jason Kidd. Yeah. So, 
Very true. Very good player. Well, what else is going on with these Nuggets? They're on a four-game homestand, the last of which game comes tonight. I said that very awkwardly. The Chicago Bulls are in town. Everybody wants to talk about Dwayne Wade and you know the chase the Nuggets made with him over the summer. But I think the bigger story here is, is perhaps the emergence of Jamal Murray, the comfort level he's playing with, Will Barton coming back into the fold from injury. Uh, Gary Harris is still on the shelf, obviously, with his uh, new injury, I guess, to his ankle-slash-foot. Yeah. Whatever that's about. Uh, Darrell Arthur, Andy's favorite player, <laughs> is is ready to go and healthy, but just not able to crack that uh, very hey, big rotation. Hey, $7 million a year. Um, <laughs> but hey, great to see Jamal Murray finally making some shots. Yeah. How, how, how weird would this team look, though, with Dwayne Wade on the roster? I mean, Jamal Murray, we wouldn't even be talking about him, right? He wouldn't even be playing. very true. You're right. You're absolutely right, and you bring up a good point, because Jamal Murray would be drafted seventh and be basically not getting any time. But would the Nuggets be eight and five versus five and eight? Probably. Yeah, and the folks I've talked to in the Nuggets organization, I thought the Wade thing was like a PR stunt or whatever. They really wanted him. I mean, they mm-hmm. went after him. They thought that he would mentor these young guys. And at the end of the day, what the Nuggets are missing, and I've said this repeatedly for really since Chauncey left, they need a chief. This team does not have a chief. And you bring Dwayne Wade in, you clearly have a chief. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's a bull season ticket holder in Chicago. He thinks Wade's been very positive there. He's been very good for Jimmy Butler, yeah. which would be comparable maybe to being good for Jamal Murray or being good for a kid like Malik Beasley or yeah. Gary Harris, guys who play the two-guard spot. Um, and, uh, you know, we need that chief. And you're right. I mean, look at, look at the end of the games. I mean, the reason the Nuggets are 5-8 and eight instead of 8-5 and five is they don't play well at, when, the game. When, at the very end of the game. And that just comes with seasoning and some experience, but it also comes with that chief on the team saying, guys, hey, Listen to what the coach says. Trust me, I've seen this a thousand times. If you do this, this, and this, hanging together, we're going to win this game. Absolutely. We have not had that. So we've been talking about that for years, it seems like, is the on-court leader. And when you talk to these young guys, we were in a, in a group text the other day, me and Jeff and Adam Mars and Harrison Wind, and we're kind of talking about this leadership thing, right? Whenever you ask a young guy on the Nuggets, it's always Jameer Nelson, Mike Miller. If you ask a Portland Trailblazer, Anybody on that team, Alan Crabb, whoever, who's the leader of this team? There's What's no our questions. answer? Right? Damian Lillard, right, right, right. Yeah, Just because those guys are old doesn't necessarily mean they're good leaders. Right. Is that your point? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. It's it, my point is, can you have can you have guys that are your leaders that don't play? Like, don't you have to have your leader be a guy that's a big minute guy, your best player, perhaps? I, I agree with you, and I don't know Emmanuel Moutier well. I've gotten to know him a little bit. He's a great kid. He's bright. Um, I love his personal habits, the fact that he doesn't drink. He takes his personal life very seriously. He's a religious guy. Uh, I think that uh, one would hope, being that he is the point guard, that he takes on that man. I mean, look, Damian Lillard was a leader when he got there. Right. In fact, one of the reasons LaMarcus Aldridge left, it wasn't just about the money, is he kind of wanted to be the man without taking on the responsibility of being the man. And yeah. Lillard was, hey, hey, bring it on. Look at Derrick Rose. Was there any confusion when he got to the Bulls as a rookie who the leader was? It's true. You know? Uh, same for John Wall. Same yeah. for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So, and Steph Curry to a lesser extent. I mean, it took him maybe another season or two, but Moutier, what is it? Why has he not just uh, well, taken on that mantle? Well, there's that, and then is it... Do you guys find that there's not more talk about Gallinari being a leader on this team? I mean, he's obviously the best player, if not for maybe maybe Wilson Chandler is, is 1B this year, right. at least in that regard. But it's just maybe it's just not some guys' personalities, but doesn't it seem like Gallo could have kind of I'll taken know. over this team? I will tell you this. Um, remember George Carl had that quote, I think, in 2013, about Gallo having the personality but the players not wanting 
him specifically to be the leader. And I think there was someone described to me as Gallo is the leader of the European players. Yeah, this whole team's international. And and there's <laughs> right? like but like it's like I can't include Jamal Murray in that the quote international uh, player thing because you know he's Canadian but it's basically American. So you have a lot of Canadians would be very upset. Yes, yeah, you have a certain subset of people who are who follow Gallo like that Jokic, Nurkic, um, guys like that, Wancho, all those guys will look up to Gallo, but there's also those other ones that probably look up to Jameer more. And You're saying there's like a cultural divide. A cultural divide, team. and I think that is a, uh, a natural extension of, of whatever it is. I mean, cultural Most of the guys you named are, are the there. guys that are very large parts of the rotation. Nurkic, Jokic, Joel yeah. Murray, I guess not, but <laughs> Wancho. I mean, Wancho, Wancho. plays over well, Wancho Darrell doesn't Arthur. play a ton. I mean... I mean, Darrell Arthur, I, I will say this. Mike Miller, the Nuggets love him. They love him. I mean, he was vital when he went with them to uh, wherever it was. They met with Dwayne Wade in New York. Um, so there was obviously that part of it. Um, Mike Miller is considered to be, quote-unquote, kind of a mentor leader. Mike Miller does not play. Mike Miller will rarely get on the court. You cannot have him. And I think for all intents and purposes, the quote-unquote, if you're going to go for a de facto leader, it's Jameer Nelson. And Jameer is in there at the end of games. Jameer is, you know, well, he wasn't, you know, against Utah, but for most of these games, he's in the end, in, in, at the end of the games. Starting you're going well to have to say You're going to have to say it's Jameer, and then you have to wonder whether that's a good thing. You know, yeah, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, it's a no. Moody, yeah, no, Moutier's got to take on that mantle. He has to. He has to. He was. Do you a, see that in his personality from what you've gotten to know about him? I mean, I can see that from Murray. Yeah, Moody just seems like a quiet guy out there. You know, I think um, that's kind of. I mean, you guys go to practice. I don't go to practice. So what's he like in practice, Jeff? He's quiet at practice. Okay. Um, that's kind of the thing. I think both you know Moutier, Gallinari, even Chandler—they're kind of like. Lead by example, guys. Right. The like Champ like Bailey. Yeah. He's not that vocal guy, but I mean, is Jamal Murray, you can see that out Gosh, of him, Jeff? Talk is about a, a team. Vocal kid? Talk about a roster. If you could bring in a type A guy in this roster, to take any two or three of the Nuggets out and bring in one of those type A guys in uh, here. And I they are, I mean, are they the fourth best team in the NBA? I mean, they have got the best role players, good character guys. They just don't have that alpha dog that says, I'm putting you on my back, and we're running through a brick wall together. I they can just s- don't have that. Is there a guy I- in the NBA that you would say, is there a, somebody you would look at and say, let's trade for that guy? Like, is there well, a guy Damian Lillard's an example, but that's not ever going to happen. Russell Westbrook's not going to happen. I th- I- you know, that's my problem. I, I get to ask this question all the time. I mean, there's 30 teams <laughs> in the NBA, and there's, what, 12, 10 alpha dogs, 12? Yeah, there's and, not enough to go around. And there's not enough to go around, and when they do these star clusters... You know, I call them star cluster fucks, like in Golden State. Um, <laughs> right. You know, they do these star clusters. It just hurts everybody. And you're, you're right, Nate. I don't know who. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins floats out there. You, know, you do so wonder, does Anthony Davis become so miserable in New Orleans at some point that he would actually be moved? I mean, please give me Anthony Davis. Well, I love Anthony Davis. But, I don't think he's a leader. But, uh, well, I would trade, I'd trade our whole I'd roster trade him. for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a, that guy out there. And, and so then you have to hope that, like the Golden State strategy, that it emerges somehow through this draft system. But I, I personally, being there at practice, I have seen elements of leadership from Jamal Murray. And I do know that the other rookies 
uh, Beasley and Wancho love him. They yeah. absolutely love him. Um, they they work out constantly. And I saw yesterday Alonzo G, who was working out and who was kind of a vet, a journeyman vet, but he's a vet, was out there working out with uh, with uh, Jamal Murray. There's getting there's a growing number of players who are kind of gra- you know how stars Andy have um, gravity. They have guys that just yes. kind of... Gravitas, yeah. which I'm assuming, if I look into the definition of gravitas, <laughs> it has a lot to do with gravity. Yeah, they just, they have that. They have that. They are the planet that the everyone... Je ne sais quoi. Yes, they, and yes. I'm seeing that with Jamal Murray. He has his own gravity. You know who had it? Alfonso Ellis had it. Oh, he had it in spades. Chauncey Billups had it. Yeah. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. I'm just trying to think back in Nuggets leadership days. Um, you know, Lever had it. David Thompson had it. Dan Issel had it. Um, and they just, oh, it's so refreshing because I love these. T- I love this roster. I really do. I, I look at this roster and it's, 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 you know, Jeff's heard me say this so many times. It's 92 93 Nuggets. Yeah. And who's going to step up and be the Chief? And does that mean we're going to miss the playoffs by just a little bit? Probably. But who's going to step up and be the Chief? What, and if, I, you, what if you t- subbed out Gallinari and inserted Paul George? Oh, that's, that's a great call. Great call. Of course, Paul George. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, Paul George would immediately become the team. That is a great point. There's no way to get him, though. (laughs) There's no way to get him. No, No, but I mean, listen. When Larry Bird was doing his Boys of Brazil experiment in Indiana, it would have worked, but he's gone the other way. So (laughs) Jeff gets that one. So that's just not happening anymore. Um, Who's the Sir Lawrence Olivier of this equation? Yes. Um, Remember that? The patient had a requirement that eight of our 12 players have to be white white. Americans. Yes. There's like six white Americans in the NBA, but eight of them are on the yeah. <laughs> and that was that was about six years ago. <laughs> and they lucked their asses into Paul George. Um, Gregory Peck. Of, no, I. Um, <laughs> it, it is. So I'm, yeah, sorry, that's a very old reference. We just went over everyone's head with that reference right there. <laughs> I got it. I got it, though, Andy. Um, <laughs> I think. I think very that, apropos with our current is, presidential. Um, I will. I'll, I'll say this. I, then. I'm seeing it, and uh, the, I'll tell you what. At the last game, were you at that last game, Andy? The Utah. What I saw was fans responding to Jamal Murray. Sixteen I points saw in the fourth quarter. Players responding to Jamal Murray, mm. and I'm starting to see that thing happen with him that I did not see with Moutier last year. And so, Jeff, I'll ask you this. Jamal Murray is going to be playing so well. Who should be most worried in that starting lineup that he would usurp that oh, position? That's a Gary Harris question. Gary Harris. I mean, is Gary Harris still a starter with Will Barton playing so well? I tell I, you what, Will Barton's on the best contract in the league. He's making three million dollars a year in a, in a league where you have Mike Conley making thirty million, right? So, where Matthew Delavadova makes ten. Matthew Delavadova makes ten. So. Keep that in mind when the people are going to be asking Nuggets for trades, right? He has the best contract in the league. Um, I think Barton would probably be, because of that contract, be the person that the Nuggets would look to maybe ship out. Or they could keep him. It's kind of like the, that rookie contract situation. You guys got, you got, got a guy on such a cheap contract, you, like, you, it hurts you not to keep him, you know? I'm thinking, listen, Gary Harris is loved by Michael Malone. He probably likes Gary Harris more than every other player, I, just based on the way he talks about him, right? It's going to be hard. I think the players that need to be quote-unquote worried, if as, as the arrow keeps pointing up, 
no pun intended, with uh, with Jamal Murray, uh, is uh, is probably both Emmanuel Moutier and Gary Harris. I think both of those guys at once have to be worried about this. Well, strength. Jamal Murray, when he came in, a lot's happened since then. Um, uh, you know, when, when Jamal Murray came in, he was already talking about usurping uh, the one and the two spots himself, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. good. You actually want to see that kind of, uh, dare I say, cockiness. Oh, it's, um, it's great to see. It's great to see. So let's let's see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention tonight at the Bulls game. Jeff, you pay attention at practice. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll send Ross to Jamal Murray's house <laughs> and see how he's doing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think that uh, – uh, the Nuggets just and look maybe this whole anti chief thing is a is is an unfortunate aftermath of having ten good players. Yeah, you know, and I, I think too like with with guys like Murray, you know, when he comes in, uh, he's starting to get dialed in now to that three point line. And our friend Denver Stiff said or Adam Mares had this tweet over his last eight games, Murray is eighteen of thirty eight from three, forty seven percent. Wow, I think that's closer to what he was. You know, what did he start the year? O of seventeen from everywhere. Yeah, right. I, th- I think this is more so of where he's going to be. I think he's now dialed in. If you asked him, I think probably the game, maybe, but just by a hair, is starting to slow down for him. And once that happens, you're going to see him continue to improve. And it's it's going to be scary. I think how good he is, but maybe it's just that we're not used to seeing somebody that can actually consistently hit jumpers for this team, especially well, from the two guard that position. Is, that it's is, been a the, long time. The Nuggets have rarely had two guards that could consistently hit shots. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll re- reiterate this to you. Sometimes you just feel it. And there was just a vibe in there when he was going in the fourth. People were like, like responding to it like they would a star. Okay, That's exactly how people in the stands were responding to it. I have not seen that since Melo was here. I just haven't seen it. It's the first time I've seen that. Andy, are you a, uh, a Jokic man or a Nurkic man? Wow. That's a tough question. He's hitting you with the hard questions <laughs> yeah. here today. That's it? like the great debate amongst uh, Nuggets <laughs> That is fans. so hard. Like, let's say... Uh, here, here's really going to ask me that question. Well, here's what I want to ask you as yeah. well, because can you have both of those guys on this roster, or do you have to trade one in order for the other one to really, truly flourish? Well, back to your Paul George example, and whether it's Paul George or it's... I mean, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but someone of his caliber, you're going to have to see a an itch go, right? It'll be Nurkic <laughs> or Jokic, probably with Fareed and probably with uh, Gary Harris uh, in a package for a star player. That's just what it's going to end up looking like. Um, you're asking me like, to choose between two of my children. Uh, I right. think uh, <laughs> I love... <sighs> that's just... I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to duck the question. I mean, Nurkic, <laughs> I love watching him knocking guys around in the paint, and yet he still has that soft touch. He's playing really well this year. I mean, he is not what he was last year. He's much better this year. Jokic, I think just because of minutes reservations, has been held back this year. So we're not seeing his true potential this year. But he was great last year. So it's, uh, that's a really, really tough call. You'd hope you'd have room for two of them. But um, let me just think a little bit historically on teams that have had two big men. Um, that worked well together and, uh, and, and and had good results. I mean, look, Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace worked well together in Detroit. Um, Andrew Bynum, Pau Gasol. Yeah, Andrew Bynum, Pau Gasol is a great example. Um, uh, <laughs> obviously, Tim Duncan, David Robinson is a good example. And not that any of our guys are in those guys' league. You know, a very diminished Alonzo Mourning worked well with Shaquille O'Neal, and they actually played them together in Miami for stretches. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, 
But it's awkward. It's a tough thing to coach for some reason. Uh, you're better off having like a real five and then having four small guys around him, right? Yeah. Um, and you're asking me who should that real five be? I, I still think of Jokic size-wise as a big four more than a five. He's a small five, whereas to me Nurkic is a clear five. It's unfortunate that the two of them starting together didn't work better, unless you guys think they, Malone gave up on that too soon. But uh, that was unfortunate. Well, the Nuggets, I like Farid off the bench, in my opinion. I think you want that energy off the bench. I want to get this out of the way. I, I said this when I, on my last solo podcast. Yeah. I said this on my last solo podcast. Um, the Nuggets, if they were going to want to run a, uh, a system where they have playing two big men, they would have to actually you know, run something that's amenable to both. Um, then, then they're just they're not anymore, and it was a square peg round hole, right? And and that was doomed from the start. So if they're going to go this way, the best solution was them to split them up. Um, to be honest with you, I don't care. To me, to be, they're six and one, half dozen the other, um, because the center spot is so devalued in, in this current NBA. To me, it just doesn't matter. Maybe they should have two starting lineups. Seriously, huh? you yeah. go Gallo. Let me think. You go Gallo. Um, uh, Gallo, Chandler, uh, Nurkic, Moutier, and Harris. That's your first five. And then you come off the bench, you literally can replicate it. You've got uh, uh, Fareed, you've got Barton, Harris, Jokic, and um, what position am I missing? And you throw in, uh, I'm missing your yeah, I'm you missing got a Harris forward. Already I'm missing a forward. No, I didn't say Harris on the start. Nelson or Murray? I? Did yeah. I say Harris on the starting? Yeah. Um, then so you have Murray. Murray's a one-two hybrid. Uh, yeah, Murray and Nelson maybe is your backcourt. Barton's your three. And uh, Fareed's your four. And Jokic is your five. So you have like this dynamic fast five, small five is your second starting lineup. And that's your ten. Um, I know it doesn't work that way. It's not hockey where you bring in one line after another line. But it's uh, – I think at some point – and I guess I think to their credit doing a good job showcasing all these guys – uh, there's going to be a three-for-one package coming. There's going to have to be. Yeah. I just don't know, Nate, to your point earlier, who you shake loose. You know, you got to look at guys that are in bad situations, like maybe Paul George. I don't know. I think he's pretty happy being in Indiana. You really think Ant, uh, Anthony Davis, with every team in the NBA that wants him, is going to take Denver over New Orleans? I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. There's always a lot of talk about DeMarcus Cousins. Um, he does have a relationship with Michael Malone. It's always lurking in the background. As long as they don't throw Ty Lawson in the deal, I'm in. You know, but that's a deal where you'd have to send Nurkic probably because they'd want a big center back. Right. Uh, so DeMarcus is interesting. So, you know, you got to just look at kind of who are those lower-rung teams that have superstars that would be willing to shake them loose, and it's very few. It, it happens so rarely. That's why it, it was so rare when the Nuggets got, had to trade Melo because they never move. And he allowed the Nuggets to get where they are now, but it's, uh, at the same time, maybe they were better off getting that New Jersey package. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But as of when, when you look at it right now, those guys are so rare, the Nuggets are almost better off hoping that Jamal Murray turns into something. I, that's where I'm at right sure. now. Because, yeah. because I've, imagine uh, DeMarcus Cousins in this locker room. Well, that's where Michael Malone comes in. You say, imagine DeMarcus Cousins in the soccer room. But I think, uh, that, again, that's really where Michael Malone comes in. And, uh, uh, hey, look, I'll take that risk. I will take that risk. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it interesting. Uh, David Thorpe was on with Zach Lowe, and he was talking about how he thinks DeMarcus could easily drop another 30 or 40 pounds. 
because he's like he's like he doesn't have any lift. If he got some lift in his game, that's scary. And then you kind of think like if he did that, maybe you could play him at power forward and have right. Jokic as your center or whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Andy, I know you got to go before you get out of here. Are you planning on reading your old friend George Carl's book when it comes out? His tell all. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'm not in it. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, hopefully I'm not in it. Um, but yes, I will read. I don't read, but I will, uh, I'll make an exception uh, for George Carl's book. I'm a terrible reader. I find reading a very inefficient way to learn. Um, but I will do my best to get through George Carl's book. When's it, who's publishing it? Who's ghostwriting it with him? It's already out. I'm not quite it's sure out? who did. Well, it's it's, it's already it's already written. Apparently, okay. Well, like Zach Lowe Zach had a Lowe copy had of it. A, yeah. Some reporters okay. already have advanced yeah. copies, and I think it comes out in January. January, if I'm not right. mistaken. So. Gosh, I haven't talked to George for a while. Um, I should reach out to him and just say hi, see how he's doing, and uh, tell him to come on CSG. But yeah, of course, I'll write the book. I mean, I, you know, that George Carl and I have an interesting history together. So there's no Denver Stiffs without George Carl. I, so. well, I'm very curious to see if that if that appears in his book. One would hope that was an insignificant moment in his life. (laughs) Um, But I also want to say to you guys, thank you for doing this. Thank you for continuing this. Thank you for having me on. No, of course. I'm sorry my schedule's been a bit squirrely this year. And to our readers and our listeners out there, uh, I know I need to get back to the columns. And uh, when the time is right, I will be back. Well, I mean, Andy, the three of us here, how long ago was it? Well, I started this, this silly blog in 2008. And Nate and I joined forces uh, in 2009, and you joined us in 2010. So yeah. I've been doing this for coming on nine years, nine years. in February, yeah. and it's it, 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 it's it's it is what it is. We've grown the site tremendously. We've brought on some terrific guys, yes, uh, Zach and Adam and. And, and Gordon and all the guys that are writing for us now are doing a phenomenal job. Think of those days when we were just us. the three of us were splitting recaps and previews. But you know, life changes. <laughs> life changes. Personal responsibilities change, um, and uh, it's it, it, it's you just have to fit things in in whatever priority you can fit them in. But I'm still going to Nuggets games. I'm still following the team very closely. I'll see you tonight. And uh, you'll see me tonight at the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will uh, look forward to getting back to the column probably in 2017. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, right. All right, Andy. All right. Well, thanks Thank for, joining you for joining us. Man. All right, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Yeah. Take yeah. care. We'll be back with more. rolling csg podcast it's kind of funny because i think about um radios right like in radio you reset and you tell everybody hey csg podcast back nate timmons jeff morton still here we're still down at jake sports and spirits 3800 walnut street but the thing is with podcasts you don't just come back into it during breaks right like you're listening the whole way through that's true it's Let's, pointless to do a reset in a podcast. It is. It's literally the dumbest thing you could possibly it's do. It's got to constantly remind people of something that they're listening to for an hour. Yeah. You know, it's they like start I didn't to get jump out and jump back in at this. I didn't rejoin you while I'm in my drive. Yeah, it's what's absolutely true. And uh, But we are here at Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big thanks for Andy Feinstein for coming on. Yes, I haven't seen Andy, Andy for a while. He, uh, always fun to talk to. Always has insightful intakes on, on the nuggets and well, follows mean, the team as close as anybody. The, the, the relationship the three of us have is like we've, well, we've been like doing this thing for such a long time that it's kind of like old hat. 
when when Andy shows up and we got to talk some history. We understand exactly. We we know each other well, so it's. it's I know you guys always want to talk about Fat Leavers teams. Yeah, and he brings up the '94 Nuggets as as I always do. So, I mean, it's it's one of those situations that. I think that it's it's always nice to have Andy on, and it always leads us into kind of good Nuggets talk. Um, you know, it's like even describing like what we would do with this roster um, if we were going to clear space. Yeah, and that brings you right back into you know talking about how young this team is mm-hmm. and where these guys are. And at some point in time, you know, we were talking about Dwayne Wade and yeah. how that would create a a no Jamal Murray effect. Um, of course, although with these injuries, maybe he'd still play. Um, but for me, it's like I'm eventually going to want to see more Malik Beasley. And I, we've seen a little bit of, of Wancho Hernan Gomez, and that just leads me to want to see more Wancho. Yeah. And, you know, think about if they get down to the deadline with whatever's going on with, with Kenneth Freed and Darrell Arthur, um, I'm not totally sure, but you'd think at some point in time that Wancho is the power forward of the future for this team. And somebody asked me on Twitter the other day about that. They, they said, you know, uh, what do you see with Kenneth Freed? Or is, is he really playing this well? Is this going to continue? And to me, Kenneth Freed has, has not changed his game. I mean, you could say he's a little bit better defensively. Maybe he's understanding some things better because he's been in the league for so long. But, you know, truth be told, <laughs> Kenneth Freed's the same player he's always been. and He's, he's always exactly the same player. Yeah. And he's always going to be that player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so for me... I want to see Wancho play more because I really do think that he is kind of uh, along with a guy like Wilson Chandler more going to unlock this power forward position where you're going to be able to really stretch the floor out and create space. And and that's going to lead to more good things for guys like Moutier, for Jamal Murray, for anybody that wants to, you know, driving kicks, this and that. But what would this roster look like if, if they were playing a lot more Malik Beasley and a lot more Wancho? Um, before I get that into that analysis, I'll tell you a story that I saw at practice from Wancho. Um, he was playing one-on-one with Jamal Murray, um, and they were, going, they were going with whoever makes the basket wins. It was just one basket. Whoever makes it wins. And they were going at it pretty good. And um, <laughs> Wancho... Uh, really was battling hard against against Murray, and they were both going at it. But Wancho, for people who don't know about Wancho, he's very funny. He's a very, very, uh, he's got a great wit about him. He's, he's, he's just a, he's not quite as, you know, casual. You know, I always describe Jokic as, uh, not always, but recently I've described Jokic as, he's a guy who walks like Marc Gasol danced at the end of that uh, <laughs> Clippers game. Yeah. That's exact, that's, he's that casual. It's not quite the same with Wancho. I, this is the first time I'd seen this. Um, Murray makes a fadeaway three-point basket that it was it was a lucky shot, but it went in. They're walking off the court. Murray is really excited, and he does Wancho, Wancho, man. Like Are that. you serious? Like, yeah, he says that <laughs> he did. I'm like, oh my god! But the look <laughs> on Wancho's face was like, I'm going to kill him. It was like, I want this guy. And there was that kind of competitive thing that I hadn't seen specifically from him. But he was upset that he wasn't, he wasn't the one who got the basket. And that's the kind of thing that I was like, okay, I, I, I can see this now. I can see this now going forward. This is a, this is a way forward that you, you can see a guy who just wants to get better and who wants to, wants to be that guy. 
and uh, his brother Willie or Villy has got the same thing. Um, and so that kind of changed my mind on this because I would, would have been more of a put Darrell Arthur in there kind of guy. Now I'm kind of more like you. I would rather see Wancho get more time. And it really requires moving pieces, and specifically Kenneth Reed, I think. Well, I think just before you go on, we know that all these guys in the NBA are competitive, but stories like that are, you know, that tells me all I need to know about Wancho and that the hunch I have that he should be playing more mm-hmm. is the right hunch. So not that you have to throw the, the keys like they did with Moutier to Wancho, but again, you know, these guys were all first-round picks, right? Murray, Wancho, Beasley, uh, and you know, I know it's it's very hard to play all of these guys when you have this, you know, big roster and you're trying to win. You're trying to get back to the playoffs because you know you need fans to come back in the building. But for a guy like me that's a diehard, like I want to see these young guys play as much as possible, and I want them to get on court minutes because as as we've talked about in the past, and Malone has even mentioned it in the past. You know that you need to give these rookies a little bit of court time, whether it's five minutes at the end of games at some point. You know, just just so they can kind of get their feet wet and. Honestly, with, with Wancho, when you've seen him in some games, I believe he scored before Jamal Murray when he had that dunk. Um, I, I don't even remember what game it was, but you know, for him to get a little bit of this action and then mm-hmm. to see him playing positively and a little bit of what he can do you know, as far as rebounding, shooting, uh, I think he seems like a high IQ player as well once he kind of understands a little bit more of the NBA game. Uh, it's going to be important, and, and, and to me, he's going to be, uh, again, the power forward of the future for this team, but... You know, how do you make that happen? Is it is it going to be through trade? Is it, you know, I mean, they re-signed Darrell Arthur. Kenneth Reed is still under a, a pretty hefty contract as well. God, it's... And the free trade rumors have just been around for so long. So it's like, long. Are you going to... Four know, years now. Are you going to... Is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? I'll never forget um, talking about, like, you would think Frank Isola had started had started this rumor that the the Nets were really close. The Knicks, the, excuse me, the Knicks were really close Oh, the to, I'm uh, on Shumpert, Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, the I'm on Shumpert. I remember that. You remember you and I talking about that years ago. And I think I think it's been around for so long. I start to not believe him. You know, it's like whatever. But for the sake of team continuity and pursuit of of playing guys with high upside that you feel have high upside, the logical person to move is Kenneth Fareed. And the problem is, like, you remember when the Nuggets had Marcus Camby and he would always get all those rebounds? Yeah. And it kind of was, it kind of felt like that whenever Camby was on the floor, the rest of the team just said, he's going to take care of the glass. We don't have to worry about it. Yes. And to an extent, Fareed's that way, too. Like, when he's in the game, I'm pretty confident that the Nuggets are going to grab a lot of rebounds. And when he's out of the game, I'm kind of like, ooh, <laughs> you know, they need some rebounding in you there. Get Maybe re- get Fareed in there. You like, get over-reliant on it. It's like... Um, yeah. Because he, he's a rebound hunter, you know? I mean, I believe J.J. Hickson was also a rebound hunter. Guys like that, it's like, it's like well, since this guy's going to go ahead, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to leak out. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to get down here, so I'm not going to worry about this guy getting any rebounds and, or uh, me crashing the boards to, get, to help get a rebound. So I've seen several just... instances this year of Yusuf Nurkic and Kenneth Fareed fighting each other for rebounds, you know? And they still have, I mean, without Fareed, you still have... Nurkic, Jokic, who are good rebounders. Yep. Will Barton's a good rebounder for his position. Chandler, Gallinari. I mean, Gallinari is a better rebounder than, you know, I, I just don't think he really thinks about it that much. <laughs> he has to when yeah. he's playing, like, power forward. But yeah. there's a lot of times, too, 
where you, you might have some of those guys out there where they're not rebounding and you're like, like you said, you just kind of get over-reliant on free doing it. And then when those guys aren't in the game and they go small, it's like, okay, guys, we got to focus on that again. But Well, it's, it's, it's just the assumption that that person is going to have everything handled. And when you, you, when you get, like, so focused on that, it kind of destroys your, your desire to go get that rebound that you, you need to get. And the, I remember in 2012 they had that problem. With uh, when Kenneth Freed believed, because he would do the same thing, he would get all these rebounds, which is not a fault of Kenneth Freed. That's just the fault no, it's of other good. Players. It's just yeah. it's, it's nice to have that in there. But yeah. you know, again, like we've said, it's just kind of maybe you're like, oh crap, it's not happening. Oh, he's not out here. We have to rebound. But I, I just don't think that if Kenneth Freed is moved at some point in time, that it's going to be a negative for the team. I think the team will actually has a, a chance to be better without him. Which is, you know, not saying that Kenneth Reed is a, is a bad player. I love watching Kenneth Reed play. I think his energy really can positively affect the game. But I, I just think that I, I, almost as addition by subtraction. But I don't know. I, I just feel that way. But you see, the other day, you know, it's Reed's birthday, and you saw on Snapchat. I think Malik Beasley Snapchat. Uh, they were bowling with the Special Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, it was Beasley and Freed. Freed's there on his birthday. is wearing these happy birthday glasses. But, you know, he took the time out of his day to go do that. I think Freed really, he really does like, you know, community involvement, especially with Special Olympics stuff. He really mm-hmm. gets into that. It's, it's great to see. And, you know, he's not really one to – he's not the best with the media because I, I feel like he's not as trusting of that as he is just with people, which is, you know, it's, it's totally fine. It's, it's his prerogative. Um, so I think that, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's some prickly things with Fareed, but I, I do think that he is liked by some teammates. Beasley seems to really have taken to Fareed quite well. He and Gallagher refers to him as his well. big bro. And, yeah. you know, I think it would be hard, especially for fans, to see Fareed go. But, again, I think there's a lot of fans, too, that are kind of maybe hoping that he will get traded as well. So it's he's an interesting player. It I, is. It's, it, he is the one, isn't it, though? Because because basically Gallo is a if he's on technically technically a expiring deal. A lot of teams though, right? Like when a guy's on a, the last year of his contract, I wonder wonder if there's uh, information available or if, how easy it would be to find out when a good player gets traded on the last year of his deal. How many? What's the percentage that he resigns with that team? I'd, I'd venture yeah. to say it's probably pretty large. Like I would think, depending uh, yeah. on where you traded Gallo. If you trade Gallo to, let's say... If you trade him to Philly, there's the chances are probably 0% yeah. he resigns. If you trade him to, to a crap team, <laughs> yeah. maybe he leaves. You know, If you trade him to a playoff team and he has a, a, a good role with that team, he's probably going to resign there. So it would depend maybe on where you dealt him, but, it would, but again, but they're not going to sacrifice a lot to get him. And, and good teams don't have a lot of things to give up generally. Yeah, like we were talking about the other day with Toronto. Toronto has some coveted draft picks from other teams. They probably wouldn't want to give those up. They probably yeah. want to give the Nuggets their pick, which is going to be twenty five plus, right? Yeah. Something like that. Like, yeah. in, and then you're going, well, Gallo was a top ten pick. Yeah, Gallo was yeah, a seventh wanted... pick in the draft. Why, why would you? Why would? Why would I give up that for the twenty fifth pick in the draft? But you know, especially because you're not going to be able to replace Gallo's production with a twenty fifth pick type player unless well, you're just incredibly lucky. And this is the problem the Nuggets have: is their wing depth is really bad. They they have. Gallo, basically Gallo and Chandler, Wilson Chandler. 
They've been playing Wancho at the at the wing spot. They've been using him as a backup to Gallo and Wilson, and he's not a wing. He's generally a power forward. And the problem with the Nuggets, you know, when you get into Will Barton, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris, they're too short to play small forward. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way around it, really. And the Nuggets are so have, – have such little depth of wing. If they trade either Gallo or Chandler – Everything falls apart. Like you have to get a wing back. You have to get <laughs> a tra- at least a competent wing. And how many competent wings are out there? Yeah. You and know? that's the whole reason you'd be trading for Gallinari or Chandler is yeah. because you, need, you need the one. wings. Yes. Like I was looking at the Clippers. You know, the Clippers would be in a tremendous position if they were able to acquire, you know, some players from the Nuggets, whether it's Gallo, Chandler, Darrell Arthur, oh, they would be Fareed, whomever. Un- unbeatable if they got Gallo or, for, or Chandler on that roster. Yes, yeah, but then you look at—I mean, looking at these teams where you're like, okay, I can see the Nuggets looking at a deal with Team X, Y, or Z, but geez, what are they going to get back in that trade? You know, because like we've talked about, the draft picks are hit or miss on on where their value lies, and the depth on some of these top tier teams is like, ooh, where you have to really, you know. And obviously the Nuggets are, are well-versed in young players. Maybe you can steal a young player here or there from one of these teams that you have hopes for. But, God, they already have a lot of young players. It's like, what do you trade for? Like, you really, as we were talking about with Andy, the, the, the hope would probably be trading three or four of your guys for one top-end guy. But I, I, I think the trap that we fall into, and I think this has just gotten worse as – our information availability has become more prevalent is that you get always, you always, you, you get sucked into next and then there reaches a, a saturation point with next to where I'm not progressing any. We're just, just about, it's kind of like what happened to J I mean, Jahil Okafor, regardless of whatever you think about him as a player, the fact is I think he was a done a, big disservice by the way they had no no guiding light on that roster last year and i think it was reflected in his off the court things the nuggets yeah i I mean are at base almost at a saturation point with youth i think they're getting real close 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 they're close close against like went to the dentist well here's the funny thing too okay so look at uh nurkic and Jokic. the the question will inevitably be do they have to trade one, right? And then you try to figure out, well, which one should they trade? And you get into kind of this Fareed water where you think, okay, we need to make a move, but when should the timing of that move be? Should we make it when we definitely know which guy we want to keep? But at that point, the flaws of the other guy may become so well known that other teams are like, well, we're not going to give you what we would have two years ago or last year or three years ago because we know more of what he is now. You know, like there's the unknown factor of what one of those guys could be is the allure of the trade. Right. So once you become more well-known, like Kenneth Freed is a pretty well-known quantity at this point in his career. You know exactly what you're getting with him pretty much. So that's going to limit your, you know, the maybe it's just from the fan perspective of the allure of that trade. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I had a thought actually based on what we're talking about with saturation of youth. And mentoring and stuff. A book that I have to give back to you, um, Chris Aaron's book. Um, Basketball Junkie. He talks about he was clean his year in Denver because he always talks about having Antonio McDice and George McLeod and veterans who were on that roster he was on 
that kept him straight, kept him on the straight path. Wasn't there like one like one point where he kind of fell off and McLeod like scolded him? Yeah, and, Mac- and McLeod got on him. And, um, you know, George McLeod, who, you know, is actually I never thought of George McLeod as any particular leader when he was here. But um, if that was the, what meant to him, you always have to have roster balance. You deal Kenneth Fareed, which is fine. I think that would be actually good for the Nuggets. But you start peeling off Chandler. You start peeling off Gallo. You start start peeling off um, players who will... Uh, you, you start peeling off players who will um, be a guiding light. And these players are kind of left on their own after that. They don't have that. They don't have that guiding light. They don't have that that center. And I think that that is something that the, all teams have to worry about. And yeah, it's all great and well and good to have Mike Miller on the roster and Jameer Nelson. But you need you need guys who are able to keep people centered. And you wonder if the Nuggets starts committing fully to youth, what that is going to affect a roster, how that is going to affect a Yelp roster that would become increasingly 21, 22 years old. Yeah, and I think, that, I think the Nuggets are, are very well aware of that and would try to keep guys around to, you know, hopefully, you know, with that in mind. The interesting thing to me, too, uh, did you happen to see our, our good friend Matt Moore's fake trade the other day that landed the Nuggets, I think John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins? It was like a 12-player deal. Yeah, I wanted to ask him why he hates Gallo and why he would send him to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's my whole thing with when we keep getting back to this and – it always goes back to the Nuggets trade of Carmelo Anthony, of the Knicks emptying out their cupboards to acquire Melo. So with with Matt's fake trade, and basically with any fake trade you're going to make, you're going to have to surrender all these players. And that particular deal you know, took away, I believe, Fareed, Gallo, Chandler. And then you're thinking, you know, so... And, and I think it also got rid of Nurkic. Maybe I think it kept Jokic here. But then you look at it and you think, okay, so you have John Wall, you have Cousins, you still have a few pieces around them. Jamal Murray obviously is, is would be stellar with John Wall in the backcourt. I think John Wall is obviously a very upgraded version of Emmanuel Moutier. Yes, yes. Um, very much so. Uh, you know, you, you don't have a small forward in that scenario, so that's going to be the team's main focus, you know. But, you know, how empty do you want to make those cupboards in – Again, I, I think a, another good argument I was listening to was if you brought in a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, I, I believe Adamares may have pointed this out, why would you need you know, Nurkic or Jokic? Because yeah. Cousins is going to have to play 30, so maybe you can yeah. you know, try to make up some ground there. But it, it's very interesting to me, the whole team-building aspect of you know, if you do bring in a star player, how much do you have to trade for that guy and how much do you still have left to, to push forward? And, and to me, if you... If you made Matt's fake trade of John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, what are they going to push for? They're not going to. They, I don't know if they make the playoffs this year because there's there's no small forward. There's no, you know, there's all, you're, then you start missing pieces. So it's it's an interesting team build question. It is. It is because any trade is going to. I mean, it, like most fan trades, the um, they come up with the team will sacrifice nothing and get everything. You know, and it doesn't work that way. And it's like one of the biggest problems the Knicks had when they traded for Mello was those draft picks that they gave up. 
And yeah, because that's the way to really restock. <laughs> yeah, and they they gave up on those, and it's like they they capped their ceiling at age, you know, and that was the opposite problem. And the Nuggets would have to the the I'll, I will throw this out there: the Nuggets, one of the Nuggets' biggest assets is that uh, Memphis pick, and that would have to be included in any trade scenario. And I think the Nuggets would have would definitely have enough if they, let's just say that the freaking Pacers suck and Paul George is, becomes available. Because when you're looking at these teams, the Cavaliers aren't trading anybody. Yeah. The Hawks don't have anybody good enough. Uh, the Bulls don't have any, you know, they're not going to trade. Hornets, there's nothing there you really want. Raptors, no. Celtics, no. Knicks, no. The Bucks, maybe, but again... That would require taking a very injured Chris Middleton. Right. Magic, no. Pistons, no. Heat, no. Well, the Heat have anything left? I'd take, I'd take you like Dragic. I, I would take Dragic. <laughs> <laughs> Dragic wouldn't be bad. That would actually probably solve a lot of damage. I mean, he's problems. on the down. He's on the down. He's in thirties now. So but if you want to make the playoffs, you insert Dragic as your starter. Put Moody on the bench. Jameer Nelson is gone, and whatever trade you come up with, yeah, and yeah. Suddenly, your starting lineup is better, and perhaps your bench is better, and, and Moody can you know you're a lot faster. feast on some second units instead of trying to figure out these first units. Yeah. So the Heat maybe, but I mean, you can go get Dragic. I, uh, the point is, if the Nuggets identify one guy, whether it's Paul George, Dragic, they have enough to go get one guy and still have a lot left over. Yeah. You know, you, if you trade either Nurkic, Jokic, that draft pick you mentioned, uh, maybe Gallinari, Kenneth Free, I mean, Wilson Chandler. Like, I'm just naming Nuggets' best Pete player guys. this year has been your boy, Wilson yeah. Chandler. And uh, he's increased his value. And he's also uh, really kind of helped the Nuggets in certain situations. I mean, he's struggled like the rest of the Nuggets have at the end of games. And he's missed some free throws, which have been, you know, he pointed out on Twitter uh, as a, in an uh, interesting exchange with a certain local writer, you know. And that was, that was something that you look at Chandler and you're like, okay, he's making, what, $15 million, $14 million, right around there? We could keep him, you know. Maybe the Gallo's the one we let go. We we're not. We have no guarantee that Gallo's going to resign with Denver, so we'd let Gallo go. Okay, uh, make sure you get that wing player back. So, are you paid trading for Paul George? Are you trading for who are you trading for in that scenario? Because if you're trading for Goran Dragic, you ain't giving up a wing player for that. Right, and uh, <laughs> the most likely move for Miami would be okay. We're not making the playoffs. Uh, let's just get rid of Dragic for maybe a young player and a draft pick. As a side note, I mean, if you've seen any Heat games this year, uh, anyone who's watched my CSG video of of uh, Justice Winslow, everything you've seen in that video is coming true this year. The man cannot hit the broad side of the barn with his shot. <laughs> Things so. can change. Things can change. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like I can't believe that. And here's an interesting player, Harrison Barnes. Barnes signs his big contract with the Mavericks. He's been playing well with the Mavericks. And Mad- it's Mavericks, Mavericks. And I know the Mavericks are what they are. They're two and eleven, you know. And this is a, a case where it's going to be asked at some point, you know, is Harrison Barnes putting up bad stats for a good team, or can you actually win with Harrison Barnes? Good stats for a bad team. And I mean, the Mavericks have a lot of problems, right? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. injuries, there's this, that, the other. Um, but that's that's one of those guys where you know. 
the Nuggets, if they're going to swing for the fences in free agency, that's the kind of guy you, that you hope that they swing for at some point is a young guy that hasn't used up his potential that still has room to grow. I tell you who they, who they shouldn't swing for is Chandler Parsons. Yeah. Chandler Parsons is damaged goods. Well, he's in Memphis now, right? He's in he Memphis. A, he signed that contract with Memphis, and people were like, How many years Chandler did he Parsons? get? How many years did he get? Uh, four. Okay, so yeah. Ninety-something million. And when you look at the teams, too, I mean, you look at the Lakers. The Lakers put that shellacking on the Warriors earlier this year, right? And you look at the progress that D'Angelo Russell and, and Julius Randle have That's made a curious this year. Team. I want to ask you about that. That's a curious team, the Lakers. Yeah. How do you think that they have built... What do you think that they have built? Because you look at them right now, and they are a completely different team than they were last year. Coach? Do you think it's all <laughs> Luke Walton? Well, I, I, I don't think it's Luke Walton. I think it's getting rid of the idiot that was there. Getting rid of Byron Scott? Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do. Well, I mean, it's a combination of things, right? I, I really do like that the Lakers have kind of emulated the Nuggets and the fact that they're, you know, they have a youth movement going on. Yeah. And they're relying on, you know, guys like, obviously, Russell, Randall, uh, Larry Nance Jr., you know, when he's around. Uh, and Brandon Ingram, I think, is, is played a little bit better than, you know, people he's starting to probably play expected. Yeah, he's starting to play better. And, and I think that, yeah, I think that was kind of riding on the wall. I, I really liked Brandon Ingram. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Lakers, and they also have, they have that veteran mix in there, too, right? Like, they have Mozgov. They have, you know, who are the other crafty veterans that they have? Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson uh, is really good. I like he's Clarkson still young. a lot. He's a young veteran. Yeah. Um, but that, Nick I think, Young. Uh, boy. But I, th- I think that's enough. You know, you have a, a few veterans. You have these young guys, and, and sometimes they just grow a little bit faster, you know. And again, but that's my I, question, I think, though. Is that because they have a number two pick and a number three pick on their roster? Yeah, where it's versus, you versus know. the Nuggets who had two number seven picks on their roster? Maybe, but I mean, let's see what Jamal Murray is like next year. That's you know, very true. maybe this year, but I don't know. With, it, with the the tough question, I know the I know the Nuggets like D'Angelo Russell. Yes, everybody liked D'Angelo Russell coming into that draft. Um, you know, is there a reason that Moutier went seven and not in the top three? Like you know, he had hoped. That's a good I mean, question. I think we might find out. Yeah. I'm, I have my concerns about Moutier's game. I I'd still too. I still do think that he's like Andy was saying. He's a good kid. Um, I believe he has a strong work ethic. I mean, we'll see, you know, where that's going to lead him. And I don't know. There's a reason I brought up the Lakers. It's because if I'm talking about a rebuild and a protracted rebuild, the only corollary I can draw is the Nuggets because they had Kobe and excuse me, the Lakers. So it's like they had Kobe and now Kobe's gone. They well, the Warriors kind of did it too, right? With Monte Ellis, they trade Monte yeah, Ellis they, they, to clear the way for Clay and Steph. Yeah, and they they brought back uh, Bogut, right? And yeah. um, so maybe Mozgov is the Bogut of the uh, of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, maybe that's the situation that they were looking at because this Lakers team—they're not okay. They're not great by any stretch, but they're playing in a way that it is enthusiastic, and you're looking at at um, D'Angelo Russell and thinking, this is a guy who's turned it on. The light bulb went on, you know? And you look at the potential of Brandon Ingram and think, God, man, they're going to be stacked. And I think, too, that I, I honestly think that, you know, the coaching there is a and big Randall. thing. And Randall. And Randall. And the coaching there is a big thing, right? Like Byron Scott, whatever the hell they were doing last year with letting Kobe do his thing and not shooting threes and whatever the hell, 
he was a bad coach. And yeah. now you have you you have Luke Walton who has I don't know if he's trying to definitely emulate the warrior style, but he's definitely emulated more of a playing style that fits the talents of his roster. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think with the Nuggets, I don't know if they've found that yet. I don't know if they've found and they've switched offenses this year, right? I mean, they're definitely not running what they were running last year. Not at all. So you have but again, I mean so I don't know if this is the right style for this team yet. I don't know if they've found the correct style because when you look at the Lakers, they switch styles. Mm-hmm. Their young players are, are, are thriving. Denver's young players, I, I think, you know, if you look at Moutier and Jokic, who they played better last year than this year so far. I mean, Moutier, maybe not so, but definitely Jokic. I think that the Nuggets are still – but the Nuggets also have added guys. So I think there's – the Nuggets still have to figure out who they are. I will. I will I'll say this: There's certain coaches that will bring you to a certain level, and then you need the other another coach to come in to push you to a different level. It seems like I'm, I'm, the the addition by subtraction aspect of the Lakers is definitely there. That you, and you're absolutely right. No Byron Scott, so. Psh. Well, think, they're actually playing better. I think you have to look too at the Rockets. The Rockets. I mean, they get rid look of at how they're playing. Yeah. They get rid of Dwight Howard. Obviously, which was, you know, and you also bring in a new coach. You bring in D'Antoni. I can't help but think what D'Antoni would have looked like had he been named the Nuggets head coach. Yeah. And not to say anything bad about Mike Malone. I mean, he's, you know, he's going to figure out who he is as a coach. I think he still has a long way to go. D'Antoni's obviously a, a veteran coach who knows how to be a head coach, knows what he wants. But when you look at Houston's offense and even their defense, I mean, they have changed drastically and they got from Jeff, last year to this year. They have Jeff Bazdelic as their defensive coach. Right. And so, you know, and even James Harden is, is getting credit from guys for being a much better defender or at least caring about defense this year um, in a way that he hadn't maybe before. But, and they have Nene. And Nene, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, I mean – D'Antoni knows how to coach offense, and the and Nuggets, I think, are still searching for questions about what their offense is going to be. So, what troubles me with the Nuggets is the end of game. A lot of their end of game scenarios, I would I would put it to you this way: that's fifty percent players not having alpha dog, fifty percent um, poor decisions about who's out there. Well, they've also had some killer turnovers at the end of the game. Okay, just bad turnovers. I mean, that Toronto game when Moutier drives the lane and throws the ball five feet over Chandler's head in the corner, and it's like... Jameer steps out of bounds, and, and you're like, what, what, you're a veteran. What are you doing? And they stepped out of bounds again. And well, you saw it. that in his shoe, though. I mean, his shoe slipped on that play. Yeah, you it, know? Did. it did. But again, anytime you throw the ball into a corner... There's, I don't know what the percentages are that guys step out of bounds. Is it 18%? Is it 28%? i tell you what. seems uh, like with the Nuggets, they step out of bounds a lot in the last corners. Last year, Gary Harris stepped out of bounds, I think, in every single game in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Wide in the corner by a foot. <laughs> Give us another foot over <laughs> there. Right. So, you know, these, their shoes are too big for the amount of space that's over there. Listen, if I, won the, if I ran the NBA, I would draw the line across from where it starts to go straight on the sideline so there would be no corner threes. It would completely throw off the balance of the NBA, and you would have. I would just mass widen the chaos. court by a foot. <laughs> Maybe not even like just on the sides. Like just after half court, it just widens a little Imagine. bit. So you kind of have a figure eight look or an hourglass, hourglass court. look. Oh my god, <laughs> Nate Timmons. People, people have broken ankles everywhere. Um, Imagine how it would change fundamentally change the NBA just by taking away the corner three. 
Yeah. It would be literally, it would be fundamentally awkward. Uh, awkward. Awkward, too. Uh, uh, but it would alter, too. But it would never happen. It was just I had that thought. But, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it was a little bit of Malone and a little bit of the Nuggets this year. Um, I think Malone suffered from what I called the yips. At well, the it's end only of games. 13 games. I mean, there's a, there's a long way to go here. It does. And he can get better, and the Nuggets can get better. Um, and, and it's just, he's a, it's, it's, we've got to remember this is only his third year coaching. Well, yeah, basically his third full season coaching. So he's, he's still learning himself. I would love to ask, like, other head coaches, you know, I think it would be a, a worthwhile study to figure out with head coaches, like, how much, looking back on, like, even ask D'Antoni or ask, you know, George Carl or any head coach in the NBA, like, how long did it take you to get a feel for rotations and a feel for just a feel for rotations, period? Do you, like, do you see how much it's changed from your first few years to where you are now? And I bet you'd get some pretty damn interesting answers. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it would have to. I mean, even even, even with if you're, if you're a long-term coach, look at Popovich, how many styles of offense he has gone through since he's been coach of the uh, Spurs. I mean, he's fundamentally altered his offense four times. So it, everything's changed. The, the league changes, all this stuff. But it, the best coaches adapt. That's what I always said. And to me with Popovich, too, like doing that and, and talking about that, it's like it's almost like a comedian coming out with an hour special and then scrapping the whole thing and coming up like guys like Joe Rogan do that, uh, Bill Burr, Louis C.K., yeah. A lot of these comedians will, and Rogan, I just saw him last Saturday, and his special just came out, I think, a month ago on Netflix, and he's already doing brand new material. The whole thing is new. And he's wow. like, after he does a special, he throws it all out. And a lot of these guys have, have taken to that same philosophy. And, you know, to be a, a master of your craft, I, th- I think you have to, you know, like for Popovich to do that, to not to, to go into uncharted territory, yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean... But to be successful at it still, too, you know, to to scrap something that worked and then to come up with something that's, you know, not not better, but better for the time period or better for that style of play. Like it's it's well, and a lot of that had to do with Tim, him having Tim Duncan. I mean, when you have that guy, you can just do you can it opens up a lot of worlds. And that's where we're hoping the Nuggets are with uh, Jamal Murray. I I am okay. Maybe I'm putting a lot on. He's going to coach. Murray. Yeah, he's going to be Perfect. a coach and player. <laughs> he's going to like do Bill Bill Russell in the late sixties. Um, my 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 hope for Jamal Murray is he becomes that guy who the Nuggets can rely on. He's going to be that guy that you look to him and you think he's that, that got that thing. Maybe I'm projecting too much onto him, and maybe I'm completely off. But I'm seeing a lot from him, and I'm, I'm hoping beyond hope that he becomes that guy. I mean, if he does become the guy, though, I mean, you have a, what is the phrase, a spoil of riches? Yes. Because now all of a an sudden. An embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment of riches, because now you have draft picks, players galore, you know. But again, it's like, how fast can Murray become that guy to where guys like Gallo, Chandler, Fareed, Arthur are still relevant? And you know what I mean? Like, that's still the question is still the timeline. And can you eventually, on Murray's timeline, get guys around him that can be as effective as or more effective as, you know, guys currently around him, if he is the man? Which, I mean, I thought this when they drafted the kid, that he had that potential to be the man for this team. And I think, you know, like you're saying now, he's getting more comfortable. You're seeing guys gravitate towards him maybe in practice. Like, he's showing signs. Yeah. I agree. 
I agree. And I, it, but it, he's also maybe the flavor of the month for old Jeff could, Morton. He could be. You liked Wancho a lot. Now I you're, you're not tooting his horn I, as much. I, I like Wancho. Remember I told you that, that nice Wancho story. You were a big Moutier man and Jokic, and now they've, they've burned you and been... I don't think I was ever a big <laughs> I was a big Jokic guy, though. And then, yes, I, I feel burned. No, that's just okay. Um, but anyway, it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I, I'm looking forward to this team. They're 5-8 and eight right now, but I'm actually liking where they are, personally. So. Yeah, I think that, you know, and it's unfortunate that they couldn't get off to a hot start and kind of be the the topic of the NBA, you know. And that's kind of where they've wanted to be is, you know, you've heard players even talk about it. We want to be, like, the Portland or the Phoenix of that other year and you know to be five and eight instead of eight and five or seven and seven you know like the Lakers are right now it's it's a bit of a disappointment but you know I don't know if I don't know how much things would change if if they were I don't know if the building would be fuller you know and I kind of found this funny the other day I was thinking about you know a lot of a lot of people in Nuggets land will tweet out like stuff about the Pepsi Center being empty and when we tweet that stuff out, like, the only people that follow me are hardcore Nuggets fans. So if I ever tweet out, like, Pepsi Center's empty, you need to get more fans here, the people I'm tweeting to are like, hey, stupid, we're already here. We're already <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir, basically. Anytime that I mention anything, or if Denver Stiffs writes an article about how they need more attendance at Pepsi Center, it's almost falling on deaf ears it's, because those people, people already support the Nuggets. They already support the Nuggets, and they would the want to be there otherwise. You know? yeah. And when we say, well, they need to lower ticket prices, <laughs> like the people we know that are already paying out the ass for tickets are going, yeah, we know. Like, we're the ones buying these expensive tickets. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny. I, 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 I Actually, that's a great observation. That's a great observation. Maybe we should just, like, you know. Not talk about it. Not anymore. talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> It really is starting to become a dead horse here. But I do. I mean, I, I still have my concerns of, you know, when guys like Moutier, Murray, and Jokic are, you know, asked to re-sign contracts, if that's going to play a factor of, well, man, I was on the road in Oklahoma City, and, geez, their stadium was packed. It would be yeah. kind of fun to go play there or in Boston yeah. or Toronto or Portland. New York or Portland or Los Angeles. You know, like, I think that's a factor. Yeah, I think it is, too. Oh, boy. Well, all right. Hopefully somebody goes to these games. Well, I know I'll be there. Today, so. <laughs> Nuggets and Bulls. If you want to see the King of Thornton there. Yeah, he'll be there. All right, Jeff. Well, let's get out of here again. Thank you to Andrew Feinstein for stopping by, yeah, chatting so Nuggets I'm, with us. I'm waving at the empty chair right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get out of here enjoy some great food down here at Jake's Sports and Spirits. Come on down get yourself a beer or watch one of the various games, like the first place Raiders. Yes. Are you going to be on about that? <laughs> Ross is going to kill you if he ever podcasts again. If he ever podcasts again. Until then, go Raiders. We'll see you guys next week.